passion for excellence, compassion for people. It's in this spirit that we are proud to present Aspirus Health Talk with your host, Melanie Cole. According to the COPD Foundation, COPD affects an estimated 30 million individuals in the United States, and over half of them have symptoms of COPD and do not know it. My guest today is David Warren. He's the Director of Cardiopulmonary Services at Aspirus Medford Hospital and Clinics. Welcome to the show, David. So what is COPD? Well, COPD is uh, a category of diseases. Uh, It encompasses emphysema and chronic bronchitis primarily. And it's evolution, actually, of trying to determine, um, trying to categorize these lung diseases into different categories. It is probably the most uh, well-aware, I guess, known out there in the public uh, due to media coverage and that a lot of uh, advertising done by pharmaceutical companies, too. So is there an early screening that can identify COPD before major loss of lung function occurs? Yes, uh, one of the biggest things uh, that is contributing to COPD, unfortunately, is still the uh, continued effort of people that do smoke. Um, It's usually long-term effects of uh, chronic tobacco abuse, um, but other uh, things can come into factor, too. Um, The type of uh, employment that you have, for instance, working in a farm, um, working with uh, chemicals and things like that where you're being exposed to if you don't have proper uh, protective equipment to protect yourself. But primarily it is from uh, tobacco uh, itself. And so a lot of patients that we see typically don't, you know, have issues until they get into uh, even as early as their 40s, but in their 50s and 60s where they notice that the slowly decline in their ability to catch their breath um, they typically will complain about a chronic productive cough, and that's unfortunately when they do seek out treatment is when they've already started further into the disease process. So what about screening? How do we know? So uh, the screening typically uh, that we do here is if someone comes and sees their provider and they're complaining about shortness of breath or having a chronic cough, then they will order typically what's called a pulmonary function test. And that test basically tells us a norm of comparison to the person's height, their sex, whether they're male or female, their ethnicity, and also um, their age. And basically from that, it tells us basically what would be normal kind of ranges for what they should be doing as far as their speed of the air that they're moving and also the capacity or the volume of air that they're moving. So once somebody has COPD or pre-COPD and and they've damaged their lungs, can that be repaired because we we learn about heart disease being able to be reversed to a degree and diabetes the same, but what about lung function and lung damage? Unfortunately, um, there is a uh, not as much a return on that. In fact, once the damage is done, uh, there isn't really much further that we can do at this point that's been proven to improve lung function. However, what we can do is, is you know, especially if they're in the earlier stages of having the disease process, is A, getting intervention done if they are continuing smoking to stop, getting help, you know, to be able to do that. Um, We've uh, changed our mindset over the years of how we treat tobacco dependence. And, and I say that in, you know, it is an addiction, you know, it, with nicotine. And uh, at least recently in the last probably 10 years, we've changed our mindset provider-wise and healthcare professionals to treat it more as an addiction versus actually like a, just a bad habit. 
So then what are some of the treatments that are available and if exercise becomes a limiting factor and and VO2, that amount of oxygen that's consumed is tough to get, then exercise can sometimes be, you know, difficult for the person when that's what they want to do as well. Right. What, what we do have offered here is a, uh, here at Aspirus, we do have free smoking cessation offered to any and all patients here. Um, and that's been a gradual uh, buildup of exposure, uh, trying to get patients who are, you know, interested in quitting smoking and getting them some tools and resources to try to be successful with that. But also the other thing is once they are diagnosed with COPD um, due to pulmonary function testing is we try to get them into a, what's called a pulmonary rehab program. And that's where we try to reteach them not only habits of, you know, how they manage their breathing but also, okay, let's build up your exercise tolerance by treating, treat, uh, excuse me, by having you learn different techniques for how you breathe. So we reteach how they breathe, and that helps them manage their symptoms better. And it kind of the biggest thing is anxiety. And I think that's probably another factor that we have to, you know, keep in that uh, concept of trying to do the overall treatment for these folks. So, David, let's talk about teaching people to re-breathe because we've all heard about diaphragm breathing, but in pulmonary rehab, you teach sort of a valsalva, a way of sort of holding your breath and releasing that air in tiny amounts. Speak about how that can increase that oxygen saturation and help people to get that breath that they're missing. Sure. Typically what people want to do um, is they want to open their mouth wide when they're having shortness of breath. And so what we try to do is uh, reteach what's called purse-lip breathing. And that purse-lip breathing technique is basically almost like you're trying to blow out a candle, think of, with really tight lips, um, or maybe, you know, not that I play trumpet, but uh, imagine the same type of almost technique they would use for playing that type of instrument. And what that does is, with a, a COPD, uh, what happens is the airways want to collapse down when they exhale out. And by having that breathing technique of having them breathe in through their nose and purse-lip out through their mouth, we actually help splint the airways open, and that way the airways aren't feeling like they want to collapse down. We actually try to keep some back pressure, you know, as layman's terms, to try to keep those airways open as long as we can so they don't collapse down. And what about when somebody does have to go on oxygen? What advice do you have for people that might have severe COPD and advanced and have to use oxygen? Well, let's face it, no one wants to have oxygen um, if they don't have to. Um, but once we're able to do some education on the, the benefits of having the oxygen, that helps a lot. Um, it's, it's really a lot of discussion, you know, on the fears of that. One big thing is, you know, open flames or flammable material uh, nearby. Oxygen isn't combustible, but it helps support combustion. It's not like gas where it would, you know, make a fire roar, but it will certainly add to a fire and be more enhanced because it is 100% oxygen. But it's more teaching them the safety things, you know. Obviously, you know, we still have people who are smoking up to this point, and so we try to really indicate, okay, you know, you can't have open flames, smoking a cigarette or something like that. And then also, um, you know, looking at their activities of daily life, um, there's different size tanks in that that help, um, can make them smaller, more manageable to carry around, as well as portable, what are called concentrators. And that's a machine that actually takes air uh, that we breathe out here and concentrates the oxygen and delivers that through an electronic machine. 
So give your best advice, David, for staying healthy, avoiding exacerbations of their COPD and breathing problems, and even avoiding things like pneumonia, which can really make this worse. Yes, well, uh, the CDC certainly recommends, obviously, especially for those that have already diagnosed the COPD, to make sure that they do get a flu shot and that they do have a pneumonia shot during the indicated times. Those are probably some of the big things they can do preventive-wise. The other thing, too, is, you know, masking when you are having a cold or if you are going into a clinic. Um, We always ask folks to, you know, be aware of that. Good hand hygiene taking our medications as indicated. And then if we are having signs and symptoms that they're not feeling better, that they get in and see their provider right away. Our biggest challenge that we're going to have is trying to reach those folks that are kind of in that stage of they haven't really gotten into uh, the levels that they're feeling really short of breath yet, but they probably are having a chronic cough. And that is really where we need to try to focus our attention to is get those folks quitting smoking earlier so that they have a better chance of not going down that road. Really great information, David. Thanks so much for being with us today. You're listening to Aspirus Health Talk, and for more information, you can go to Aspirus.org. That's Aspirus.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.